Scripture is not discerned by opinion. You cannot rightly apply the Bible until you first rightly divide the Bible. We do not get to decide what the Bible means. We get to discover what the Bible means. Welcome to Rightly Dividing with Ron Anderson. Thank you for joining me. This episode is part two of Israel and Hamas at War. We are now entering into the third week of an ongoing war, once again, in the Middle East. My purpose in this short series is to bring us back to what is the fundamental cause, what is the primary cause of the continued ongoing outbreak of war in the Middle East that has been taking place for centuries. I'm going to do a little bit of review of my first episode um, that kind of lined out the, the, the lineage where these two people groups have come from. So where do we go back to start? Where does this initiate? Uh, what is the initial cause? Where did all of this begin? This animosity and this hatred that seems to exist primarily between these two people groups. I do want to say up front just a couple of uh, disclaimers, a couple of short explanations. I think a couple of details that are very important for us to understand. I want us to understand that I'm not coming from the standpoint of all Jews are good, all Arabs are bad. That's a broad brush stroke, and uh, there can be a lot of error in broad brush strokes. During World War II, or a parallel I want to share is taken from World War II, where we have the Nazis, the Nazi party. Uh, not all Germans were Nazis. There were Germans who were opposed to those policies and, and, and ideals. And so in the same way, it's dangerous to just have a broad brush stroke of all Jews good, all Arabs bad. That in its broad terminology is, is inaccurate. But this is where we see in the Middle East the contention always boiling over, seething, is between, primarily between these two different people groups. So as I began my last episode, uh, we looked at Genesis 15, all the way back to Abraham, where we have the beginning of these two people groups. God promised Abraham and Sarah that there would be a great lineage that would come from them, many descendants. Well, at that point, they were well up in years and did not have children. And so it did not seem like that was going to come to pass. So Sarah gave Hagar to her husband Abraham. She conceived, and we have Ishmael. And this is a review from our, my last video, so bear with me. Uh, and then 14 years later, I think that's an important little detail we need to understand. 14 years later, Isaac is born. So for 14 years, Abraham, Hagar, Sarah, Ishmael, whoever else was involved, we're probably looking at Ishmael is going to be the descendant through whom God fulfills these promises that he had given to Abraham concerning the land, the promised land. And then along comes Isaac. And so from Isaac, we have Jacob, and then the Israelites, the 12 tribes, the Jews. From Ishmael descends the Ishmaelites, the 12 tribes, and the Arabs. Now, God promised to Abraham through Isaac and Jacob would be the fulfillment of the possession of the promised land, which we're going to get to in this, this episode. What exactly is the promised land? What are the boundaries of that? God established those boundaries in his word. We'll take a look at that in just a moment. 
In Genesis 16 and 17, God also makes promises to Ishmael concerning a land that Ishmael and his descendants would possess. And so herein is the beginning of all of this tension uh, and hostility that has existed primarily between these two people groups in this region for centuries, for millennia, all the way back. We're talking back 5,000 years. And we can look at human history as well as biblical history, and we can see the many times that various kings, kingdoms, and nations have risen up and come in and conquered primarily Israel in the Middle East and taken them off captive, pillaged the land, and then they come back to the land, and then another kingdom comes along, and we can look at the Ottoman Empire, the Assyrians, uh, the Greeks, um, uh, the Babylonians, and just kingdom after kingdom. And it seems that Israel is always in the middle of these these kingdoms coming in and overthrowing and use, uh, using their authority, their power at the different to- at different times, and pillaging the land and taking uh, the Jews off as captives. One of the stories that is known widely is Daniel in the lion's den. Well, Daniel was in Babylon. Why was he in Babylon? Because previously uh, the Babylonians came and they pillaged the land and they took captives uh, off to Babylon, took them from uh, what would be Israel, from the Middle East. And Daniel and many others were part of those groups. And so that story is, is well known. So I want to move on now because these two people groups, the Jews and the Arabs, have two different belief systems based in two different books. Now, I am a firm believer in the Bible, in case you didn't get that yet from all of my other videos. I am a Bible-believing Christian, a Bible-preaching pastor, and so I'm looking at the Bible as the infallible, inerrant, and inspired Word of God. But there are, there are two books um, uh, that these two different um, people groups look to and, of course, we have the Bible, and, and I have the, what is the Jewish Bible, which is the Old Testament. So I'm talking about the Bible in relationship to the Jewish people, particularly the Orthodox Jews. We're talking about the Old Testament, the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings, and that's, that's what this is. Um, and when we say the Bible today, we think of, you know, the entire Bible, the Old Testament, New Testament, the 66 books that we, that we know and love and appreciate. And so that's, that's on the one side. Now, what we need to understand is this uh, this book, and I'm speaking for from the aspect of the entire Bible, the 66 books. So this, these were written, these 66 books comprising one entire book or one volume, were written between 1400 BC and 95 AD. That's important to understand. The Bible, including all the New Testament documents that are that are in our Bible, were finished by 95 AD. Now, they weren't necessarily codified into one volume at that time, but they were completed by 95 AD. The, I want to say the Arabs, the Muslims, let's put it that way, the, the, uh, the Muslim Islamic Arabs uh, look to the Quran as their book, okay? And it was written by Muhammad between 610 and 632 AD. 500 years after the Bible was complete. Now, for those 
500 years leading up to the point where the Quran was being written. You have the Bible is complete. So whether it was in partial forms, individual books, uh, some sort of codified form of books joined together, uh, but even the oral, oral tradition that would have been transmitted from culture to culture for 500 years permeated the entire region. Around the world, these things were known. They were talked about. Written forms were, were uh, passed around and distributed. All of this was going on and was ingrained and widely spread about for 500 years before the Quran ever came into place. Now, I mention that because there are elements and portions of the Quran that involve Bible characters, Bible stories, seemingly, uh, although many of them are somewhat distorted and but be that as, as it may, there is, uh, there is some parallel in names and, and occurrences in the Quran. I believe that's because Muhammad, who wrote the Quran, was, came to knowledge of all these other things because of the culture that he lived in. And so he was influenced by these things, and that's how they entered into the Quran. Now, I say all of that because this is, these are the books that they look to as, as authority in these two different people groups. And again, there is a conflict here. Here is the primary conflict between these two books, though there is a lot of conflict in them. Here's the primary conflict that I see. In the Quran, the Quran calls for shedding man's blood to appease God. In the Bible, God, the Son, sheds his own blood to pay the penalty for man's sin. God himself makes the sacrifice. That is a fundamental difference. So even in these two books that these two people groups look to primarily, and I know, again, broad brush stroke, there is conflict in the ideals and in the teachings that are there. So this, this conflict goes on and on and on. Back to the promise, because this is what it goes back to. With all of the wars that have taken place in all of the years, the decades, the centuries that have, that have taken place uh, through time, all of these conflicts, it comes back to a root cause. And the root cause goes back to Abraham and the promises that were given to Isaac and to Ishmael and their descendants. So I want to take a look now at a couple of maps where we'll see what the promised land is actually supposed to be when Israel will possess it sometime in the future. Oh, one, other, one other caveat I want to add in, one little, another disclaimer, a clarification, if you will, and that is there, is there is a difference between Israel the nation and Israel the people. And I won't go into all the details and the ramifications of that, but there is a uniqueness there that we need to understand. Be good for you to look into that. Israel the people, the Jews, and Israel as a nation, Okay, so moving on, looking at the map here uh, that I have up on the screen, we see the current boundary or border of Israel. Now, until 1948, this was not recognized by the world, but we understand after World War II, 1948, these boundaries were established, and the world uh, leaders and rulers came together to recognize national boundaries for a national Israel, okay? Many of the Jews were living there already, but then this precipitated many of them moving back to uh, to what would be their homeland, Israel. You'll notice down in the southern western coast, down towards the border with Egypt, the Gaza Strip, which is where primarily most of the fighting is going on at, at this time, the Gaza Strip um, 
and that is where the, the rockets were fired from and where the, the ground battle is initiating even, even as I speak here. A little interesting side note, that's the general re- region area that back in the Old Testament times was Philistia, where the Philistines were. And if you know anything about your Bible, uh, Old Testament Bible history, you understand the conflict between the Philistines and uh, the Jews. Um, that went on for quite some time. So we also see then in the center, kind of that hash-marked area in the center, the West Bank area, another contested region, an area where supposedly um, these two cultures are trying to, to live together, and there's constant tension and conflict that takes place there. Notice all the bordering nations that are at least uh, visible here on this map, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, um, that are bordering around. These are all Islamic countries. We'll see this now in this map. Uh, A little bit harder to see on the screen, Israel, that little blue speck there in in the middle, the smallest of all of these regions, is surrounded by green and orange. All of those areas, those countries that are green and orange, are Islamic to one degree or another. Uh, some are really strict militant Islamic, others, some others are somewhat moderate, but to one degree or another, they are all Islamic. Please keep that in mind when you consider things in the Middle East. Uh, the profound area that the, that the Muslims control, okay, um, And we see Israel, that tiny little nation tucked in the middle. Now, the next map that I'm going to show you, that red border is basically the border that God established by landmarks in Genesis 15 and then repeated on through the book of Genesis multiple times to different descendants of Isaac. You see how vast that area is compared to what is the modern-day Israel, the boundaries to modern-day Israel. It's huge and immense. Israel has yet to possess that land in its entirety, even though God promised it 5,000, 6,000 years ago to Abraham and then uh, to Isaac and descendants on down through that line. They have yet to possess that, which means that that is a prophetic statement promise from God that has yet to be fulfilled one day it will notice that it takes in portions of Egypt Saudi Arabia Iraq Jordan uh, portions of Turkey Armenia Azerbaijan a portion of Iran all of those countries now they still have their the, the, the other regions and the outlying regions is the area that God promised to Ishmael and his descendants. So there are promises to both of them. Uh, It's that these people groups are in conflict over the region and the area. And it goes back to the promise from God to Abraham. And it is a spiritual matter. And we've had all these years and decades centuries of people trying to solve this politically and financially, and it, it hasn't worked. It's failed every time. So over the years of the battles and the struggles that have taken place, I'm sure many of you can remember different peace accords and peace treaties. Just a couple that come uh, to mind for me, 1978. Uh, in my mind, I remember a picture of President Carter there and, and everyone shaking hands. Uh, I believe it was a Camp David, 1978. 
Finally, peace in the Middle East. 1991, President Bush, again, another peace treaty. Uh, 1993, President Clinton, another peace treaty. Uh, Another attempt in 2000 by President Clinton. That didn't work. Multiple attempts by President Obama during uh, his administrations. In 2020, President President Trump, uh, another attempt at a peace treaty uh, in the Middle East. All of these things have failed. Man's attempts at solving this through political means have never worked and they never will. Man's attempts at solving this conflict through financial uh, means has never worked. The billions and trillions of dollars that have been poured into this region have not brought about a lasting peace. It has been a continual struggle and battle with outbreaks of wars and hostilities that have continually happened. There is only one, and this is the most important thing that I want to say to you. This is the most important thing about understanding where this began is where it's going to end. The most important thing we need to understand is there is going to be peace one day in that land, but the one who is going to be pre- bring peace to this land is not a king or a ruler or an emperor or a president. It's not going to be through financial means. It's not going to be by establishing certain geographical uh, boundaries and, and, and making uh, concessions to different people groups. It's going to be through Jesus Christ. He ultimately is going to be the one who brings peace and rules in this world in his kingdom with peace. And there will be no more bloodshed. There will be no more wars. There will be no more tears. There will be no more dying and no more suffering. The Bible tells us that one day Jesus is going to rule over a, a people group made up of people from every tribe, tongue and nation from every tribe tongue and nation from the arab nations from the jews from all the gentile nations those who come to jesus christ as lord and savior he is the one who is going to bring about lasting abiding peace he truly is the peacemaker Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Will you be one of those among the many tribes and tongues and nations? Will you be one of them? Put your faith in Jesus Christ, not in a king or a ruler in money and finances or a political administration. Put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Are you born again? Do you know for certain that you are saved? The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And it begins, first of all, by giving us a peace in our heart with God through Jesus Christ. And then one day there's going to be an eternal peace that we live in in his presence. Will you be there? Put your faith in Jesus. Trust him as your Lord and Savior. And have that peace that passes all understanding. Thank you for joining me for this episode. I want to to remind us to again be praying for all of those who are caught up. Not just in this battle, but in all of the other wars and skirmishes. There are no sterile wars. There are always casualties of innocent people. Men, women, children who are just going about trying to live and have an existence and now are caught up in a war that they have no control over. Pray for those who have lost loved ones, those who have been injured, those who are suffering, those who are looking for some way to get out 
from the middle of the war and the battle that's taking place. Pray for those who have lost everything. Pray that even in the midst of all of this, that God would be glorified and that people would come to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Rightly Dividing with Ron Anderson. Put your comments below and send your questions in. You can contact me at rightlydividingtheword215 at gmail.com or utilize the comments section below. I'll link these two episodes together, and I look forward to joining you again right here on Rightly Dividing with Ron Anderson. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe, and hit the notification bell. Take care, and God bless. Thank you.